In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All the world's a stage, Shakespeare once wrote, and all the men and women merely players. And though Shakespeare's famous words were written about the various parts we play in various stages of our human life, his words do help us see the parables in a helpful way. Jesus' parables, after all, are a stage for God's unexpected mercy. Jesus' shocking, sometimes outrageously undeserved, unmerited, even unconditional love that he shows for us and for the lost, the least, the last, the losers of life, the outcast. Think of Jesus' parables like little mini divine dramas where his compassion, his mercy, his love for us is at the center stage and all the spotlights pointing right to him and his work for us. Now, thinking about the parables that way doesn't mean that we have to stop thinking about them as God's word. Quite the opposite, in fact. We know that Jesus' parables are God's word, through and through, every word of it. His word taught and proclaimed, but given to us with all the richness and imagination of him, the divine storyteller, the playwright of all playwrights. Jesus, who is the word of God, made flesh for us. So it's no surprise then that we come and we find Jesus' parables full of the dramatic. There's villains and heroes. There's often a lead actor and many supporting roles. There's a plot. There's a story arc that develops. There's truth, meaning, rich symbolism, and many other things too, of course. But usually when we read the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan, we like to imagine ourselves casting the lead role of the Samaritan. And we maybe think the moral of the story is, well, don't be like the priest, don't be like the Levite, be like that Samaritan guy. Be nice, do good things to others, treat people the way you want to be treated, and pay it forward and it'll come back to you. And while that's true in a way, And Jesus does call us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We miss the point of the parable and of the story if we begin the story by putting ourselves right in the spotlight of the story. As soon as we do, it's not too long, you see, before we start to feel the heat and the bright lights of the sun staring at us. Kind of like a sun glare on the freeway, maybe. Revealing and exposing, shedding the light of the spotlight on us. How would, for example, Siskel and Ebert or a Broadway review rate our performance as Good Samaritans? How are we doing at keeping Jesus' commands? Are you loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind? How about loving your neighbor as yourself? Do we do that? Have we done it perfectly even? You see, if we go down that road long enough... It's not too long before we find ourselves, like that certain man in the story of the Good Samaritan, beaten and bloody and broken and left for dead in the ditch at the side of the road. It's helpful to remember how Jesus tells this story, how he frames it. It all began with a question. The Good Samaritan story starts with the question that man, that lawyer, had about salvation. He asked Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
And the answer to the man's question is found not by himself focusing on himself or by ourselves focusing on ourselves, the spotlight on us and our work, but the spotlight focusing on Jesus crucified and his work for us. It's not in seeing ourselves as the Good Samaritan, at least not first, but to see Jesus as the good and only perfect Samaritan who comes and finds us lost ones, the outcasts, the ones left for dead on the side of the road. Because if the point of the story is to be the Good Samaritan, to inherit eternal life, to love the Lord our God with all that we are and have and love our neighbors as ourselves, well then, in all honesty, we're as good as dead, aren't we? Because we flop and we fail and we sin time and time again. We may as well be lying in the side of the road in that ditch, all beaten and bloodied and halfway to the grave. But you see, that's exactly where Jesus wants us when we listen to this story. And as he's telling that lawyer this story too, it's the point that Jesus is making. If anyone is like that Samaritan, it's not us. It is Jesus for us. He is the good Samaritan who rescues us, who pulls us and lifts us out of the ditch, who binds and heals our wounds by his own. And then he carries him, carries us with him, on him, all the way to the cross. And everything that we need, everything that he's done for us, it's all charged to his account. He writes the bill, signs it, seals it with his own blood. Only Jesus, you see, is the good Samaritan. For Jesus is the one who loves the Lord his God with all his heart, and with all his soul, and all his strength, and all his mind. And he does it for you. Jesus is the one who loves his neighbor as himself, even the neighbors who hated and rejected him and crucified him, even us who sin against him. He loves us for his own sake, on the cross, crucified for you. Jesus is that good Samaritan who bent down in compassion to rescue us. It's a gut-wrenching compassion that he feels for us and then does something about that too. He loved his neighbor. He loved God. He fulfilled and kept the law with his own life for us. Isaiah the prophet puts it this way, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him is the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds you are healed. You see, in his love for us and really for all humanity, for all creation, Jesus comes and joins us in the ditch. He became the man who fell among thieves, crucified on the cross between two of them, beaten, bloodied, stripped, mocked by a world who did not want him or his way of salvation, and then left for dead on the cross for us. But not finished there, crucified and risen for you too. And so what the law demands, that we love our neighbor perfectly and love God as a, perfectly as well, and that what we have not done, Jesus has done and gives for us. Jesus helps us, though we can never help ourselves. He washes away our blood with his own healing blood. He strips himself and then wraps us in his holy, righteous garments of love. St. Paul says it this way, that we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into his kingdom of light. 
the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the story of the Good Samaritan is about Jesus' compassion towards us, his self-giving, his self-denying love for us. But it's also about our love for others, too. Jesus ends the parable that way, or the story, by saying, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer answered, Correctly, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Someone once said that telling other people the good news, the gospel, is like one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. One sinner telling another, Jesus crucified for you. Our life of love and compassion, our life of good works and mercy and care for the neighbor, for others around us, because that's who our neighbor is, anyone our Lord places in our life, our life in Christ works the same way. Each one of us are fellow deadbeat sinner saints rescued from the ditch, called to share in Christ's mercy and to share his mercy with others because they're in the ditch with us in a lot of ways. As John says, we love because he first loved us. So that's what we do. We go to our neighbor in the ditch because that is what God has done for us in Jesus, our good Samaritan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.